heals our diseases, forgives all our sin, who crowns us with mercy and every good thing, who's rich in compassion, abounding in love. Praise to the Father, the Spirit and Son, who heals our diseases, forgives all our sin, who crowns us with mercy and every good thing, who's rich in compassion, abounding in love. Praise to the Father, the Spirit, come on, who heals our diseases, forgives all our sin, who crowns us with mercy and every good thing. In abounding in love, all praise to the Father, the Spirit, and Son, sing praise the Lord, my soul. With everything that's in me, praise the Lord, my soul. With everything that's in me, praise the Lord, my soul. See and grace 
thank you that you are a way maker. We thank you that you make a way for us. Church, if, if you've been in a position where you're up against the wall, you don't see a way out, this song is to remind us that Christ is our way maker. He makes a way for us on our behalf. 
Let's sing this song together.
God, we thank you that you are the way maker. You made a way when there was no way. God, we thank you that you've made a way through Christ, through the uh, crucifixion, through the resurrection. We thank you that you make a way through the provision of the Holy Spirit, that there's a way to know you, to be known by you, God, and to carry you with us. Thank you, God, for making a way. And we thank you, God, for how you meet us. We thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people. And we pray you continue to do the work that only you can do this morning in this space, God, as we spend time in your presence together. Be glorified, Lord. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Good morning, New Life Manitou. Good morning. My name is Christina Hoagland. I serve as the women's ministry pastor at our New Life North Congregation. And it's a joy to be with you this morning. Um, I wanted to ask you this morning, how many of you remember the hymn, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus? Okay, yeah, we got some. I, I didn't know the story behind that hymn till a few years ago, and I wanted to share, you, uh, share it with you this morning. So Louisa Stead wrote the hymn, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus, in 1882, a long time ago. And she wrote that out of a tumultuous time in her life. So prior to that, her and her husband and her daughter had gone to a seaside holiday, just trying to enjoy each other's company at the beach. And while they were there, a young boy was struggling in the ocean. And so Louisa's husband jumped into the ocean to try to save him, but the storm was so great and the waves so great that the sea took both her husband and the son of that boy that day. And so out of that, Louisa and her daughter remained and they struggled. It's 18, late 1800s, right? There was not 
a way provided for women very well to live without a husband. And so she was a woman of God. She prayed, she asked the Lord for provision. And one day she heard a thump at the door and she checked the door and on the doorstep was a parcel, small parcel of food and money to live. She didn't know who, where it came from, who it came from. But when she walked back into the house, she started penning the words, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know thus saith the Lord, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him over and over. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more, right? And I love that when we worship, when we give to the Lord, when we honor the Lord with our life, with our finances, with any part of us, it's not because life is so great. (laughs) It's not because everything is going so well. We do it because we can trust who God is, that he is who he says he is, that he will provide because he says that he will keep his promises. And so this morning, as we turn our attention to giving, there's four ways to give, they're on the screen. But I just wanna encourage you that we don't give only when we have abundance. We don't give when we only feel like we're on a mountaintop. We give and we honor and we worship the Lord because of who he is and how he meets us in every moment. And when we give through the body of Christ, we get to be a part of dropping parcels at people's doors, like Louisa experience, right? So I just wanna pray into that as we give this morning. Father, we are so grateful that we get to give back to you. You are the one who makes the way. It's not up to us. We don't have to carry the weight of making all things possible. That's your job. But God, we thank you for the testimony of Louisa Stead, and I would imagine the testimony of many in this room, God, where we have literally seen the hand of God provide for us. And so I pray that that would be the case this morning. Speak to us, God. Remind us, provide for us as we walk in this week coming up. Let us be a part of what you're doing, God, and we give you the glory. And we thank you, God, that you make a way in Jesus' name. Let's continue to worship. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. Never stop working, never stop, never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, never stop working. Never stop, never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop. darkness, my God, 
Father, we know whether we're on the highest mountain or we're in the lowest valley, you're at work in our lives because you have promised it in your word. And that's a strong foundation we can rest on, we can lean into. You are the way maker. You're the one who made the promises and we lean into those promises. And that's what brings joy. That's what brings happiness. That's what brings peace that passes understanding into our lives. Thank you, Father, for how much you love us and how much you do for us each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. New Life Manitou, good morning. Y'all look great this morning. Uh, welcome, if you're new, an extra special welcome for you. Make sure you stop at the table on the way out. There's a gift for you. It includes a devotional written by Brady, who's the senior pastor at New Life North. I read that every morning with my morning coffee and kind of, and I'll actually look up the, the chapter and read through it just to kind of get context, but it's a great way to do that. Um, kids, you are dismissed to go to your classes. Adults, you are dismissed for about two minutes to greet one another and get ready for the word to come.
Good morning. Good morning, everybody. If you're here for the first time, a great welcome to you. My name is Melton van der Merwe. I'll save you my last name. You don't need to repeat it. I uh, moved here about five and a half years already uh, from South Africa to New Life Church. And uh, I currently have the, the privilege of overseeing uh, outreach at New Life North. And every time Joe and Erica goes overseas or they take a trip, I get to preach. So uh, it's kind of a, we swap out. So I'm happy about that. And uh, so Erica and Joe is in Nicaragua at the moment, and they will be serving alongside a local church. And I know in this coming week, there's actually a, a bunch of home visits set up. And they'll be taking supplies into these homes and then also preaching the gospel in Nicaragua. So I think that is an amazing opportunity to, to literally go from home to home and just share the love of Jesus Christ in a spiritual but also in a physical manner. So what I would like to do is just before I start, let's pray for them. And the team that's there in this moment doing ministry uh, as, as we just gather on this side. So let's pray for them. Father God, we thank you that this morning we can pray for Joe and for Erica and the whole team in Nicaragua. Lord, I thank you that you can send us. Your word says, go and make disciples. And we take it literally, Father God. And there's a team this morning working with the local church, working with the body of Christ to, to go and make disciples. So we pray for Joe and for Erica and the team. And even this week, as they go from home to home, Father God, I thank you that your word says, it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. So Lord, I pray for every home that they would enter that the presence and the Spirit of God will enter that home. Lord, I pray that as I speak to people, I pray for your presence to be thick in this room. Lord, where people must be met with where their needs are at, I pray that they will be able to meet needs and just share the love of Jesus Christ. And I pray that when they come back next week, that there will be a testimony of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Keep them safe, keep them healthy, and may they be able to do whatever you put on their hearts and their minds. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I would like to start this morning just with uh, one or two stories, and then we'll actually jump into First uh, Kings 13. But about two weeks ago, uh, I was on an island in... I'm going to need to cough quickly. <coughs> Thank you. Sorry. Um, I was on an island in the Congo. So there's an island between the Congo and Rwanda, uh, there's a lake, it's the second largest lake, uh, not Lake Victoria, but the second largest lake. And um, what happened about a couple of hundred years ago, all the, the ladies that was pregnant out of wedlock in the late 1800s, early 1900s, the Congolese government would put on a boat and send them to the island. And then in Rwanda, all the boys that had to go to prison, but they were too young to go to prison, but they were <clears throat> too young to go to prison, also on a boat and send them to the island. So it's literally known as the Forgotten Island. There's currently 320,000 people living on this island. Um, there's still no electricity on this island. There's only 10 cars. The people literally live from the land. Um, the need is absolutely overwhelming. Uh, you need to go through the Congo either way to get to the island. Uh, Rwanda is like it's not our island. Congo really doesn't care because there's no minerals and there's no gold, but there are 320,000 people totally forgotten. And that's not the real story. The real story is there is one of our partners called Kenneth. 
that I wouldn't have not known about this island if it wasn't for Kenneth. But Kevin li lives in Rwanda, has a ministry in Rwanda, Congo, and Uganda. And, and Kenneth heard this story about this island. And Kenneth decided to go into the Congo, get on a boat, take a motorbike. There's only 10 cars on this whole island. And there really isn't roads. We traveled about three and a half hours on, on nine miles. And I was shaking so much, I felt like I had a full gym exercise. Uh, holding onto handles and bars. This is just, just nothing. Um, so Kenneth went, looked at the islands, and God broke his heart for this island. So Kenneth, one of our partners, contacted us and said, come and have a look. I think there's something we need to do here. In the same trip, I was also in Eswatini, and I met two ladies. My, my wife's name is Erica, and I met another Erica there. She's an American, and Morgan. Morgan and Erica, both of them lived in America, um, met Eswatini locals, fell in love with them, got married to them, and moved to Eswatini. And they just live in a total different environment than what you and I are used to. And now with me living five years in America, I realize how big the difference is between America and Eswatini. But Erica and Morgan both decided that's their calling. And God has sent them to Eswatini, and they've adapted to the culture, they've adapted to the language, they used some of the words, I was like, wow, you guys are in this culture, like Biltong, they don't speak about gas, they speak about petrol, they eat, from, eat the stuff that they eat, and uh, they just totally submerged themselves into that culture because they felt like that was where God has called them to. That reminded me of a lady called Esther, yeah, um, in, 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 at New Life North. For the last 15 years, Esther runs a homeless ministry every last Saturday of the month. And for 15 years, snow, rain, storm, she's there. And if it's winter, she gives jackets. If it's summer, she gives different things. And we've, we were able to come alongside her. But for 15 years, God has just given her this passion for the homeless people in our town. And she's been doing it faithfully. I'm thinking about Jason, one of our business people this week that said, Melton, after all these years, I'm so happy to tell you that we've just launched our own nonprofit. And here's our projects, and we really feel God is calling us into this. And then I think of one of our volunteers, her name is also Christina. Uh, she's from, she comes from Russia originally. For the last two years, she's been going to one of our elderly facilities downtown, ministering there every week, prayer or whatever it might be. And there was a 93-year-old lady who has never given an heart to Christ and probably for the first year didn't really care about the Bible studies, didn't even attend. But about three months ago, she decided to attend some of these Bible studies. And last week at North, we were able to show the pictures. She got saved, decided to get baptized. And we were able to take a trough down to the senior facility and dunk this 93-year-old lady <laughs> and baptize her giving a heart to Christ. And when I think of all of these stories, I realize the following. Transforming the world relies on individuals who embraces their purpose and successfully execute their God-given assignment. Let me just say that again. Transforming the world relies on individuals who embrace their purpose and successfully execute their God-given assignment. All of these places from Africa to Nicaragua to even our own hometown, 
It's people that do the work of establishing kingdom. And not all people have the same heart for the same stuff, which is totally fine. Because God calls people to different places and different place spaces so that you and I can establish his kingdom. For some reason, and I, don't, I can't explain this why, but God chooses people to do miracles. God chooses people to share the good news of the gospel. I remember when, when I was in college, uh, um, I already met my wife and we were sitting in church, but we were like poor. Like, like you have college poor and then you have very poor and then you had us. Like we were super poor. Um, yo, I think we got the equivalent like 50 bucks and the room that I rented was like 40 and the rest 10 bucks was for food and gas and college. You know, I mean, it's just nuts. Uh, it was in Rands in any case. But I remember how we sat in church. Uh, we literally, uh, we were out of gas. It was done, dusted. And now somebody tapped me on the shoulder and gave me an envelope on that specific Sunday. And when I opened up the envelope, there was like 400 rand in there. Now, for me, it could have been a million bucks. Now, that was totally God. But it was also a person that had to go to an ATM that heard the word of the Lord, that had to put his card in the ATM, put the money in the envelope, write my name on it, and then say, just send it to that guy. It was a definite answer to prayer, but God uses people. There are many prayers that go up and say, Lord, we need you. We want you to come through for us. So spread the gospel, but God uses people. There's a scripture that says, God, send me. If we don't go, who can God send? If we don't go, the message will not go out. We are the conduits of the message and the love of Jesus Christ. So this morning, I want to speak a little bit about that, about your assignment. And even if I take it to Jesus Christ, if, if Jesus didn't take up his assignment that he got from God the Father, you and I wouldn't have been here. The word tells us that he chose obedience. That he was in heaven. He had the fullness of Christ. I mean, he had a good life up in heaven. And yet when God the Father gave him an assignment and say, will somebody, will you, I don't know what happened exactly, but I need my son to go down to earth and die on the cross for the people. Not the people just of that age, but for all the people to come and for all generations. And yes, you're going to need to give up some of this and become fully human and fully God there was a Jesus that said yes. And I'm thankful for that. I would imagine that many of you are in this room because somebody somewhere invited you to church or sat with you over coffee and, and spoke about Jesus Christ or there was a person involved in many of our lives with us committing to Jesus Christ. So when we look at 1 Kings 13, it's, in our, it's on our series on kings and kingdoms. And what I want to make clear just for our understanding is out of Luke 17, 20 to 21, it says, The kingdom of God does not come with observations, nor will they say, see it's here or see it, or see it is there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within us. So Jesus, says, Jesus said this in response to the Pharisees asking when the kingdom of God would come. So in my mind, when we have a series about kings and kingdoms, it's about you and I being kings on this earth and establishing kingdoms, but what are we really establishing? 
We're not just establishing a physical reign. We're establishing kingdom in the hearts of people. It's when people accept Jesus Christ. When they get to know Jesus Christ as the king and as the savior, our bodies and our lives become his kingdom. And he can rule and reign within us. He can tell us what to do and where to go because we've decided that our lives is actually his kingdom. So it's not a physical place. It's us becoming and giving to him all who we are. So in 1 Kings 13, it's a very interesting chapter. And I think if you read it, you will have more questions than answers uh, at the end of the day. But you can follow with, I'm not going to read the whole thing, uh, but I'm going to tell you the story of what happened in 1 Kings 13. And there's basically three characters. The first character is what the Bible just says, a man of God. Uh, so there's a man of God from Judea. Then there is a king, Jerobium. I believe that's the right pronunciation. Jerobium, the king. Now, this king really messed up quite a bit. Uh, God had very clear instructions for how to appoint priests. So there, was need to be a, there had to be a certain lineage and, and things had to be in place. And what he did, you could have just signed up. So whoever came, it was like, sure, fill in the form, you're now a priest. And, and, and it was like, total, no, 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 you can't do this. And then we also have a person just called a prophet. So, so a, the man of God was sent to the king to say, buddy, you're messing up big time. So the man of God comes to the king. Actually, at that moment, the king is doing a sacrifice on an altar. So he gives him the prophetic word. And, he, they, and then he says, as proof of this, this altar will split in two and the ashes will fall on the ground, which happens in that moment. Then the king gets pretty upset, says, seize him. Bible tells us his hand gets paralyzed. And then he prays to the, the, the man of God and say, please, I don't want my hand to be like this. He prays for them, heals his hand. And then he says, come to my house, I'll give you food, I'll give you a gift, all of those things. And then the man of God says, I'm sorry, I have very, very clear instructions. God said, I need to come and tell you this, but I'm not allowed to eat anything. I'm not allowed to drink anything. And I'm not even allowed to go back the same way I came. So thank you very much. Even if you give me half your kingdom, or if you're in America, half your kingdom, I will not take it. So he goes. Then there's a bunch of people who go and tell the prophet, have you heard what just happened? There was a man of God. There was an altar. He was paralyzed. He's back. And then this prophet says, well, where's he going? And they say, no, he's on this route, going wherever he's going. He jumps on his donkey, goes to the man of God, and then says, I've heard everything that happens. Come to my house, and I'll give you food, and I'll give you drink. Uh, uh, I'll give you drinks, maybe not drink. Just drinks, water. And um, the guy says, no, I'm sorry. It's very clear. God told me I'm not allowed to eat, not allowed to drink. I'm not even allowed to go back the same way I came. Then this prophet says, but I'm also a prophet. I also hear from the Lord. And the Lord told me you can actually come and drink at my house and eat at my house. So he goes. So they sit around the table. And here's the more questions than answers piece. <laughs> The prophet then prophesies over this man of God and say, you've messed up. You came to my house. The Lord was very clear that you were not supposed to eat and drink in this place and you will not see the end of your life. 
The guy gets on his donkey, goes down the road, a lion eats him or kills him. People come back and say, the man of God is dead. The prophet gets on his donkey, goes to the place. There's the lion, I guess, sitting, lying down. Didn't eat the donkey, didn't eat the man. The prophet picks up this dead guy, puts him on his donkey and says, man, put him in my grave. And when I die one day, I want to be buried with him. End of story. Wow. <laughs> and that's the chapter I got to preach on. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Uh, what, what I want you to, to grab from this story, and again, go and read it. Again, as I, as I said, there is more questions than answers from, from this specific chapter. And you can, you can figure it out with the Lord. But that's the easy way for a pastor to say, I don't know, figure it out yourself. Um, <laughs> But, but there is something that's very interesting about the story is, is the starting point, First Kings 13 verse 1 says, and the man of God went as he was commanded. And as I thought about that and about all these stories, this man of God had a very definite assignment. And I was thinking Kenneth, Morgan, Erica, Esther, Christina, everybody that, that's busy, with the work of God. There was a definite assignment, very clear. There was very clear instructions of what he had to do, not to do, how it was gonna go down. He definitely did it in the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, this altar broke, there was healing, but he was very clear on not eating this way, go that way, I won't take a gift. There was very clear instructions that God gave him to establish his kingdom. So this morning, my question is to you, what has God commanded you to do? Because if the kingdom is only established through people, and if the kingdom is only established by you fulfilling your assignment as God has called you to, what has God commanded you to do? What has God given you in your heart and in your mind that he says, in order for me to, to, to go and make disciples and, and establish my kingdom, I need you to do X, Y, and Z. And for me, one of the easiest ways to know what God has called me to is, is two questions. What makes you really, really mad? And what brings you to tears? Many times it's in those two spaces where God scrapes your heart for the places that he wants you to go or to do or the community. Like I have heard people that go to the Amazon and then they stay there for weeks, live in hammocks, being eaten by mosquitoes, but they minister to people. And then I go to my wife and say, love, do you wanna to go to the Amazon? She's like, is there a hotel? <laughs> no, there's no hotel. Clearly my wife is not called to the Amazon. But there's people that love it. It's in their hearts. They, they just do it. When, when I hear of, of, of sex trafficking and, and young kids being abused, I'm telling you, I get mad. I just, there's something inside of me that wanna, and I can't say it because we're being recorded, but I get mad. And then I've walked into villages and I've heard stories that break my heart. Where I say, God, it's impossible that kids can live in such an area. So I've established in these places where, where my emotions indicate to me that God is, because the scripture says he has woven you together in your mother's womb. Yeah. 
That the things that, the emotions that you have and, and, and the, the things that have got you mad and the things that got you to cry, those are the things most probably that God wants you to engage in. When you drive through town and, and you see injustice, when you see things that's not right, where there's no peace and there's no joy, because how do we know the places where God's kingdom must be established? Well, it's really clear. It says the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace. That's the definition of kingdom. So whenever you walk into a building, a place, a workplace, a, a society, a shop, and you don't see righteousness, you don't see peace, and you don't see joy, guess what? God's kingdom has not been established there. How's your house? Do you find joy, peace, and righteousness in your home? Because it's easy for us to say, let's go and establish kingdom out there. But you know what is your first ministry? Where's the first place that kingdom must be established? It's your family. Your family is your first place of ministry. As a mother and as a father who, who has children, your assignment number one is to say, Lord, how do I establish kingdom in my home? Which means righteousness, joy, and peace. So even if we don't get to the other stuff, start with your family because that is your first responsibility. So getting mad, looking at our emotions. I also believe that a lot of your story is also part of where God wants to use you. If you just look back at your life and say, Lord, here are some of my struggles. Here were some of my obstacles. It's most probably an indication of where God wants to use you. There's a, a lady that I know, her name is Tatiana at North. Tatiana has two of her own kids and she adopted three or four more, uh, just from different backgrounds. And Tatiana is actually now running a foster, uh, foster closet for us at North because part of her story was taking kids from the foster system and now adopting them. It's such a clear path for her. She knows the language. She knows what's going on. She understands what's happening. Like these are the things we need and this is all the obstacles. And, and clearly Tatiana's story was indi indicative of where God wants to use her. But she stepped out by faith and there's a closet for foster kids being adopted into the foster system and now we can help them. So what's your story? What are the things that enrages you? What are the things that tear you up? And looking back at your story is probably another indication of where, of where God wants to use you. Why is it so important for each of us to take up our assignment? I think Ephesians 5, verse 15 and 17 says, Look carefully then how you walk. Live purposefully and worthily and accurately, not as the unwise and witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people, making the very most of time. Buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understand and firmly grasp what the will of the Lord is. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is coming back. And it's against a time clock. There is a specific day. There is an hour, the Bible tells us. And you and I have a season to do our job. I, I raised my kids with, buddy, you have a little job. Jesus gave you a job. Daniela, you have a job. What's your job? Because I truly believe God has placed us here on earth with purpose. That there is a reason why you are here. There's a reason why you are in Manitou. There's a reason why you're in this church. There's a reason why you work where you work or, or 
you go where you go because God has a specific season, a specific purpose for you in that place. And we, the time for us to fool around, if I can put it like that, is done. Let us live worthily and accurately. Let us not be vague and foolish, but let us fully understand what the will of the Lord is. Because the days are evil, and because the days are evil, I don't want to just shoot in the darkness and hope I, I hit and miss the will of God. I want to be sure that I do His will. I, know, I want to be sure that, that the responsibility God has given me and the work God has given me and the assignment God has given me is done well. Not all of us are called to the Itzwe Island in Congo. In fact, probably most of you not. But you are called to Manitou. You are called to our city. You are called to your family. Now I remember, I think, maybe I've told the story, but last year, October, uh, sorry, beginning of this year, we were in India. And uh, overwhelming. The, the need for me in India is overwhelming. There was a block, it, it's about the size of two city blocks, with 150,000 people living in it. They share bathrooms. I mean, it, it's terrible. So I come back from India, and I'm like, I'm wasting my time in life. <laughs> yeah. what, what we do is, is, is nothing. Lord, I'm, 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 we're not making a difference. I'm not making a difference. Uh, and I, I honestly, I just felt disappointed in what I do, shouldn't do, could do, must I do, not do. I have all these questions. I'm at the age of my life. Am I doing the right things? Am I really making a difference? Am I not making a difference? Because I don't want to be vague and thoughtless and foolish and so I have my own little midlife crisis, beginning of the year. And uh, it was also a time when we went through the book of Nehemiah. And I remember reading Nehemiah. Now, in Nehemiah, this wall was not built for literally generations. So they had to build the wall of Jerusalem. And the wall wasn't built for generations. Then God gives a vision and an assignment to Nehemiah. And then this wall gets built in 52 days after generations of not being built. But as I read this piece, and I'm going to make up names because I can't remember the biblical names. It was like Billy Bob was next to Susie. And Susie was next to Lance. And Lance was next to Christina. And, and Melton was next to Christina. And, and as I read this, I suddenly see a visual of the way they built this wall was not everybody being involved in the whole wall. Each person, I would assume, had a little part. And it was their three feet, six feet that said, Melton, that's your six feet. Yes, I had my, my they say, a, sh a shovel, trout, thank you, and a, and a sword. And that's the way they built. But when Melton does his piece, and Christina does her piece, and Lance does his piece, and Billy Bob, and you, and Sue, and whoever does their piece, suddenly, in 52 days, this whole wall was built. And I felt the Lord said, you're not responsible for the whole wall. But you are responsible for your piece. There's a piece that God has assigned to me, and assigned to you, that he is going to keep you responsible for. And that piece I want to do with everything inside of me. I don't want to miss it. I don't want my piece to be the weakest piece in the wall. <laughs> yes, 
I want to make sure that the people God sends me, that the places that I can go to, that the friends I can encounter, that I am faithful with that peace. Because that's the only peace God requires of me. So this morning, I want to I challenge you and say, can we build this wall in 52 days? We can, but if each one of us will take up our peace. If we stand in awe of God and say, Lord, thank you for the peace that you have given me. And it might differ and it look different. And maybe it's not standing on a stage and preaching to 10,000 people. Maybe it is your family and nobody knows, but God knows. But if that's your peace, you better do your peace. Because God's expecting that peace from you. The second part of this story, I think is very important and where, where this, this man of God actually missed it, is that he didn't stay faithful to the end. The story starts off so well. And then at the end is killed by a lion. I don't think that was God's intent. I don't think the end of the story was being eaten by a lion. The story was go back to your hometown and wait on me for your next assignment. That's what I assume. So there's a couple of things I want to take out of the story. Number one, guard yourself against weariness. Because I imagine this man of God was walking to the king, did all of these things, walking back. I would assume at some point he got hungry. I would assume at some point he got thirsty. And now, still knowing that God said, you cannot drink or eat here, somebody else come and say, hey, here's some food and stuff. Maybe he said, okay, I guess it's God. Let me just do this. I want to take care of my needs. I, I, I have specific desires. And Lord, I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. And I know you said I shouldn't, but, but clearly this is you. And, and by not really being established in God, staying on his word, being weary, he messed up. I think it's important for us not to get weary. In fact, the scripture tells us, do not get weary of doing good. Because at the end, you will receive the crown of glory. So I'm going to encourage you, what does your rhythms look like? Because when you are physically down, it's so easy for the devil to attack you. When you are physically down, it's so easy to miss your assignment and just give up. And God doesn't want us to give up. You want us to run the race to the fullness. So protect yourself from being weary. Um, get enough rest. Make sure you spend time with God. Make, make sure you spend time with the Lord to stay on top of things. The second thing is guard yourself against doing it the other way. Doing it the other way. And a good word for that is compromise. That he compromised on what God told him initially. Jerobium what, he was very clear on his assignment. I mean, if you look at all the things that God did, the, the, the altar was cracked, told him what to do, not to do. I think he could have been convinced that God's in this. He could have been convinced that God spoke to him, that he actually got the assignment right. Uh, but yet in this moment, he compromised that which God told him. And that's not uncommon in the Bible. And I think of Moses. One time God said, you need to hit the rock. And then one time God said, no, you only need to speak to the rock. And Moses got frustrated and he compromised on what God said and said, well, I think I'll just do it this way. And he missed out on the fullness of what God really wanted him to do. God's way bring results. God's way bring results. 
I don't know why God sometimes tells a person to jump into a river seven times. Why not six? Why not? I don't know. But your healing was in the seventh time. There were times where God spat on the, on the floor, made mud, and then put it on somebody's eyes. Yucky. I don't know why. But yet, that was God's way. That was the way he said that would work. If I think of Israel, and as they go to, 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 um, to take over the land, one time God said, walk around Jericho and just sing songs and praises, and it worked. Then another time God said, you can take all the spoil. And then another time God said, you can take none of the spoil. It, it's never the same, but there's always results. And if we want to fulfill our assignment, if we want to complete our assignment, one of the key Let's say then skills that we need to develop is to hear the voice of the Lord. We need to be able to hear and say, Lord, in this way, in this manner, what would you like me to do here? Because God, I know it's not in what I do, it's you. But you have a way. And for some reason, it differs every single time. But Lord, show me a way. Let, let, me, be, let me promptly obey the promptings of the Spirit. Let me hear your voice well, because in hearing God's voice well, you will see results. And the last question is, what are the voices that you listen to? Clearly, this man of God did not have to listen to the prophet. Because God already spoke to him. Who do you have currently that's speaking in your life? Who do you have currently that's, making, that's maybe speaking against, or actually the opposite of what you feel the Lord's telling you? Because I want to encourage you that you need to get back to what God told you. Because God is telling you about your assignment. Hebrews 12 verse 1 to 3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. You won't become weary and give up. As I was preparing, I, I, I got this picture of this man of God sitting around the table of the prophet, which was actually the table he was not supposed to be at. It was the wrong table. And what I felt to, to share with you and the invitation this morning, if you feel that you are sitting at the wrong table, if you are sitting in a place where you know God has called you for something, God has broken your heart for something, there is something that he wants you to do in his kingdom. That he's given you a commandment and an assignment, but, but maybe you got weary along the way. Maybe you were listening and you compromised. Maybe there were other people speaking against you and you just felt like you didn't have the support. I believe this morning is the morning where God says, get off the table, get off the chair, walk out of this room and get back on the path that I have called you to. And it's an open invitation. It's not a condemning invitation. I always think, when I think about the will of God or when we miss the will of God, they say an airplane flies about 90% of the time not en route. If you were to take a straight line from Atlanta to Tampa, 
the airplane 95% does not fly on that straight line. It does this because there's winds, there's, there's things up there that they need to recalculate and calculate for, and it actually flies like this. And it still reaches its destination. I don't know if you've missed a plane before, but when you miss the plane, there's usually a second one two or three hours later. And you can just take another one. Will the pilot be different? Sure. Will you get other food? Sure. They don't give you chicken or beef anymore, but you'll have something else. The, the people on the airplane would be different. You would sit next to somebody else. So yes, it might look different, but if you feel that if you have missed the plane, don't go back home. Don't go back home. Just wait. Wait for the three hours. Get on the next plane. Sure, it will look different, but, but, but God's call is not in the plane ride. It's in the destination. So if something happened in your life and you feel this thing like, God, I have missed you. Will I ever get back? Yes, you can get back. In fact, there's another flight ready for you. You can get onto that flight and still reach your destination that Christ has intended for you when he wove you together in your mother's womb, but you do not need to turn back home. You need to get onto that plane and say, Lord, I want to fulfill my part. I want to fulfill my assignment. I know that you have given me a part of this world, in our city, in our country, at your work, at your job, at your business. This is not a call to quit your job and come in full time ministry. The call is to fulfill your assignment exactly where God has placed you. In fact, 98% of you should not be in full time ministry. You should be in the marketplace. You should be in business. You should be in government. You should be in our schools. Because that is your assignment. That's the place where God has given you to build this wall. So that's the invitation this morning. If you feel, and I'm going to ask our worship team to come back up. If you feel as if you're at the wrong table. That you have listened to the voice of the prophet and not the voice of God. You find yourself in a place where you have neglected the calling of God on your life. You have neglected the things that he's told you. I just want to pray for you. I want to pray that you will find the courage to get onto the next plane. I will pray that you will not give up on yourself, not give up on God, but that you will make serious this morning with your part of the wall. We need you to build your part of the wall. God needs you to build your part of the wall. So if that's you, we can just close our eyes. I want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to call you up. I'm just going to pray for you. But if you say, Melton, yep, that's me. I feel I'm at the wrong table. I, have, I know what God has called me to, but life has just made some circles with me. And thank you very much. Is there somebody else? Then I want to specifically pray for you. Thank you. Is there somebody else? And you can, you can put your hand down again. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Is there somebody else? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Father God, I thank you that, that this morning you don't condemn. But Lord, you, like the prodigal son, you wait with open arms. And for those who feel maybe this morning that they have missed it, that they're sitting at the wrong table, that they've, they've either compromised or, or listened to somebody else's voice or, or they were just weary and they start, decided to just kind of stop the race. Lord, thank you that I can speak over their lives this morning. 
that they have a race to run. Lord, that you will give them the strength, that you will give them the courage. Lord, I pray that they will not feel condemnation. They will not feel as if they have missed it. But Lord, I pray for an outpouring of your love over their lives. Lord, I pray that they would hear the call back to their assignment which you have created them for. Lord, wherever they might find themselves in, may they, may they find and know that there is a place for them in the kingdom of God. There is a place for them in the kingdom of God. In, in fact, there is a specific assignment that only they can do. That you have woven them together in the mother's womb for a specific task and a specific assignment. And Lord, so I pray that they would get off the chair from this table, get back on the route, get back on the path that you have given for them. And may we all experience, Father God, the fullness of our callings. Lord, we choose to take up our responsibility to establish your kingdom as kings and priests in Manitou, in Colorado Springs, and in our country, and wherever you place us, Father God, we will establish your kingdom. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite our communion service to come to the front. And then Christina will lead us in communion.
all the earth. he's talking about in the world is that there's a lot of tables in the world that the world tells us we can't be a part of, right? But Jesus made a way at the table for every one of us. All ground is level at the foot of the cross, right? He welcomes every person, no matter our background, no matter our story. And this coming to the table together Remembering Jesus, remembering what he did for us is one of the best ways to realign to what our calling is, to the thing that Pastor Melton shared this morning, because this is the place where he redid everything. He made a way for everything. And so as we remember him this morning together, as we sit at the table of Jesus together, may this be the place where he reminds you what he's done for you, and that you can walk in anything he calls you to because the provision is him. He is the way to get back. And so on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. If you wanna break your little wafer there. And he said, this is my body that was broken for you. And we eat and we say, thank you, Jesus, we remember. And in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. And we say, Jesus, thank you. We remember, let's take together.
Thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross for us, that you bridged the great divide back to yourself. We thank you for the body that you broke on our behalf and the blood that was poured out, that now we can be builders of the kingdom, not because we carry our own righteousness, but because we stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And as we carry out the call and the invitation to build a kingdom of righteousness and joy, Lord, that is from you, of peace, God. That is your peace. And so, Lord, we thank you for how you made us right, how you gave yourself in our place at the cross. And we remember this morning, we thank you. Thank you for these reminders of getting to sit at the table together and also the call into whatever you're inviting us into, how you've gifted us, how you've equipped us through our story, through the passions on our heart. Lord, would you reignite things today? Would you bring dead things to life? You are in the business of resurrection. And so we thank you, God, and we remember, and we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you all for coming this morning. It's just been fantastic to worship together, to share the word together. Thank you, Milton. That was a, that was a very challenging word. Thank you. Um, let me dismiss everyone with a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. If you're new, remember to uh, fill out a visitor card or if you have, you can scan the little, the little code on the chair in front of you, it's there. Uh, Pastor Joe, when he gets back, would love to talk with you guys. Uh, and stop at the table on the way out, get a gift, and have a fantastic Sunday. Thank you.